morning, um, within the limit of the time we have, we're going to briefly um, discuss a topic that I have titled, I and my father are one. In our contemporary world, you will say like father, like son. I and my father are one. Hallelujah. And at the end of the day, so we're going to be trusting the Holy Spirit to help us to be able to say that. In case if you're not able to say that. And I, by my father, I'm not talking about Pa'adeya uh, Milet. I'm talking about our father, the father of all creation. I and my father are one. And that's found in the book of John chapter 10, verse number 30. John chapter 10, if you read verse number 30, that's where you see that word. It say, I and my father are one. We want to exploit that today. We want to see what Jesus is trying to communicate to us. And want to begin to see how we can find ourselves in such a place where we can declare, make such declaration with boldness that I and my Father are one. Amen? So uh, I have so much scriptures. So again, you will have to um, read those because we only have very few uh, limited time. And we're going to ensure that we don't keep you here more than we should. Um, we're going to read from uh, John. If you have time, read the book of John chapter 10. Um, you can read the whole chapter, John chapter 14 and uh, John chapter 8. Um, some of the conversation will come from those scriptures. John chapter 8, John chapter 10, and John chapter 14. If you um, do your, during the week, um, you can uh, just make sure you do the due diligence to read some of those because I'm just going to uh, run fast through this. Amen? Hallelujah. <clears throat> In our earthly world experience, it is almost for many people, I know there are some of us that we um, can say our father, earthly father is our mentor, and we will not have any problem um, either saying that, well, I and my father were one. Um, okay? But there are some of us that we have difficulties in saying that uh, for obvious reason, which I don't think I will be going into those details, but you know what I'm talking about. And so... Um, we want to see right from the beginning of creation, from Genesis, this is the plan of God. This is what God intended right from the beginning. So Jesus was actually reiterating what God proposed in his mind right from the beginning. In Genesis chapter 1, we all know in verse number 26, he said, let us make man in our own image after our likeness. Okay, so the intention of God right from the beginning is that the father and the son will be the same, will be one. I dare to say that the intention of God was to clone himself in us. So that when you see the son, you have seen the father. Okay, <laughs> in my family, my mom, we, we are eight. My mom had eight of us. No single one of us look like our dad. Not a single one of us. 
in our village, everywhere you went, once they see you, they know. They're going to say, this is Elise's son or Elise's daughter. My mom's name is Elizabeth, so short form is Eli. <laughs> Eli. Nobody will say, well, this is Adiemi's son or Adiemi's father. Because we don't look like our dad. <laughs> we all look like our mom. Some of you have had the opportunity to see her. So we all look like our mom. Amen? So the intention of God right from creation in Genesis was that every time you see a child of God, a son or a daughter of God, you should not be introduced to the father. You should see the father. That has been the intention of God from the beginning. That's why he said, let us make man in our own image, after our own likeness, so that whenever anyone sees a man or a woman, they can easily recognize who God is. God was not supposed to be mythical, something that could not be experienced, something that could not be seen. We're supposed to see God in man. Do you agree with that? That's the scripture. I'm not making that up. Right? Amen? And so when Jesus said, I am my father, we are one, he was referencing that which God has done from the beginning. Amen? So we're going to go quickly into the book of John. And uh, let's start reading from verse number 8. Um, let me start with King James for the sake of, so we can be on the same page. Um, John chapter 8. I want to start reading from verse number 1. I want you to pay attention. We will not spend more than the time we're given. But I want you to trust God for an epiphany. That God will grant unto you the rhema of his word this morning. Amen? Amen? So while we're reading, I want you to read with expectation. In John chapter 8, beginning from verse 1, the Bible says, Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very earth. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard, they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, 
he said unto her, Woman, where are those thy accusers? Have no man condemned thee? She said, No, no man. Lord, and Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and say no more. Amen? I'm so tempted to say something about that. That's not my focus this morning. I want to jump to, actually, I want to speak a bit to that before I jump to verse 12. Verse 12 is where our discussion will begin, but I think I felt compelled to talk about this briefly. Here is a case of a woman that was brought to Jesus Christ. You know the story. And the Bible said, Jesus told them, he that is without sin should cast the first stone. And I think what I wanted to point to us today, I'm trusting the Holy Spirit to use this word to deliver every man and every woman under the burden of the law this morning and set you free once and for all in the name of Jesus. The law, we have, we have, there have been so many teaching about the law and, the, and grace, and there has been, you know, this dangling between the law and grace in terms of dispensation. The law is not wrong. There's nothing wrong with, God, with the law except what God said which is the law was weak in accomplishing what God wanted, and God had to change his process. The law is not evil. And the reason God did that was what Jesus showed here. The reason why you have to understand that the law is no longer God's operating system for this generation it's what Jesus did here. Because many of us, we are still operating with the mindset of the law. These people brought this woman to Jesus and accused the woman. She was caught in the very act of adultery. And in the law of Moses, she was to be stoned. But that wasn't the complete law. The law actually says such should be stoned. That's the law. But who is to stone or cast the stone? In Deuteronomy chapter 19, you can read Leviticus chapter 20, Leviticus chapter 22. You can read all those stories. Before one, a man or a woman can be condemned of his sin, there has to be at least two credible witnesses. Mark the word credible. Credible witnesses. One person is not enough to condemn. It has to be two. And they have to be credible. Credible and faithful witnesses. In this case, it wasn't so. Those that brought the accusation and that were in the process of casting stone, they were not credible witnesses. And that's what the weakness in the law, that God said the law is not efficient to do what I want it to do. Because in the mind of God, when he gave this law, before you cast the stone, you must ensure you are credible. You have to be credible before you can cast the stone. And what does it mean to be credible witness? You have no sin. 
You cannot cast the stone if you have any sin. But here they are wanting to cast the stone under the pretense of fulfilling the law without actually fulfilling the law. They were breaking the law. And Jesus pointed to them, you are breaking the law. Before you cast the stone, you have to be sinless. That was the intention behind that law. So the law was not wrong. The manifestation or the interpretation, the way people have been using it was what was wrong. And Jesus came to fulfill the law. He came to interpret the law. He came to show us how the law was supposed to operate. So in this case, everyone now saw that, wow, okay, well, um, hmm. they started dropping the stone. Because there was no one there that was without sin. The reason why I think I wanted to mention this is because I want us to bring it home to ourselves. Every time you try to cast the stone and condemn someone, every time you try to cast the stone, understand the law. If you choose to operate under the law, fine, but do it the way God has intended. Before you cast that stone, ask yourself the question, do I have any sin? Because if you do, you are not qualified to cast the stone. You are not a legitimate witness that can level that accusation. The reason the world is in turmoil today is still because of these things. We as Christians were supposed to bring the light, but you know we cast stone every day. We cast stone on our adulterers every day. We cast stone on those, you know, that we label whatever it is we think they have done. If you want to operate that way, fine. What I'm saying is, understand how God designed the law. You have to be sinless before you can accuse or allege or cast a stone. And once we get that, deliverance will enter into the world. Because as soon as we stop casting stones, guess what is going to happen? Salvation. The woman would not have been saved if they, have, if they cast the stone. But because now Jesus taught them the law, they understood the law. They realized, oh, wow, is that how to operate the law? Now nobody was able to cast the stone. And what happened to the woman? Salvation. She was saved. We want to reach the world. We want to save the world. We want to do what God wants us to do. Stop casting the stone. Stop operating under the law unless you can do the letters of the law. Drop the law completely and embrace the salvation of grace. The salvation message with grace. We cannot fulfill the law. That's what the problem is. And that's what Jesus is teaching there. You see, every time we, are, we have read this scripture several times that we never got what God was trying to do. He wants to stop us from operating like the Pharisees and the Sadducees were trying to do here. Stop operating under the law. You cannot fulfill it. You cannot do it. God knew that. Amen? I know that's a distraction, but I think God wanted us to hear that. If that is all you hear today, I believe you have come to the church. Because if you step out of this auditorium today and you bear this in mind, 
Every day of your life, you are on your way of fulfilling destiny. God will see a true instrument in you that he can use to replicate himself to the entire world. And that's one thing that I'm trusting God to help me because I know this is what God wants us to do. Amen? What a good distraction. Hallelujah. So in verse number 12, Jesus then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. Can you say? He brought light to them. I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. If we believe what Jesus is teaching us on, on this today, we will, we will change our world. We will change our home. We will change our workplaces. We will change our churches. We will change our community. We will change our nations. We need to understand the epiphany that God is saying to us this morning. Amen? In verse number 13, the, um, verse number 13, the Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou beareth record of thyself. Thy record is not true. Jesus answered and said unto them, Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true, for I know whence I came, and whither I go. But ye cannot tell where, whence I come, and whither I go. You see, this is the reason why I don't like reading King James. It's so difficult. Whither, whence, whither. Come on. Ye judge after the flesh. Verse 15. I judge no one. I want you now to begin to pay attention and underline this. Ye judge after the flesh. I judge no one. This is Jesus. I judge no one. Why? We'll see that later. Because that's my father's job. I don't do that. That's, that's not my responsibility. I judge no one. I wish every Christian today can say, I judge no one. And truly meant it. Not just saying it as a word, but it is, it is, it is what you are standing for. It is, it is how you live your life. I judge no one. I give everyone the benefit of the doubt. Amen? I judge no one because we want to see what Jesus meant by saying, I and my father, we are one. Don't forget that. So begin to see what Jesus is saying. I judge no one. Amen? And yet, if I judge, my judgment is true. For I am not alone, but I am the father that sent me. And that's where Deuteronomy 19 is what he is quoting now. Because to judge, there has to be two credible witnesses. Jesus and the Father are both credible. So the judgment will be right according to the law. Amen? But yet Jesus said, I judge no one. Because that's not the intention of God. Judgment wasn't the intention from the beginning. Judgment was there as a school teacher. I have no pleasure in the death of the one that died. But salvation. God did not create the world to destroy it. Did not create the world to judge it. No. There was a different intention. He created you and I to be like him. Amen? Verse 17. 
It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. Can you see that? It's referring to Deuteronomy 19. I am one that bear witness of myself, and the Father that sent me beareth witness of me. Then said they, they unto him, Where is thy Father? Where is the Father? Who is your Father? I don't want to speak it in our own uh, angelic tongue. It's, it's more proper and appropriate when, you, when they ask you. Tambabare. Amen? When they ask that question, you know exactly what they are talking about. Amen? So, verse 20. This word spake Jesus. Okay, let me read verse 19. Then said they unto him, Where is thy father? Jesus answered, Ye neither know me nor my father. If ye had known me, begin to see, I and my father are one. You neither know me nor my father. If ye had known me, ye should have known my father also. This word spake Jesus in the treasury as, the, he, as he thought in the temple. And so, and no man laid hands on him, for his hour was not yet come. Okay? Then sent Jesus again unto them, I go my way, and ye shall seek me, and shall die in your sins. Whither I go, ye cannot come. Then said the Jews, will he kill himself? Because he said, whither I go, ye cannot come. And he said unto them, Ye are from beneath, I am from above. Ye are of this word, I am not of this word. I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins, for if ye believe not, see, it's not judgment, it's a statement. Because Jesus will not contradict himself, I judge not. He's simply giving them a statement. If ye believe not, and that's why you're going to die in your sin. If you believe not, amen? Okay? You should die in your sin. So, verse 25, then said they unto him, who art thou? I mean, you're getting overly over your head. First you talk about your father, now you're talking about yourself. Who are you? Who art thou? And Jesus said unto them, even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. I have many things to say and to judge of you, but he that sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. They understood not that he spake of them of the Father. Amen? Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am he. I am he. And that I do nothing of myself. I am he. The one you are asking about, my father. I am my father. I am he. I and my father, we are one. When you have lifted up the son of man, you will say clearly that I am he. I do nothing, nothing of my own self. Amen? Okay? 
I do always, um, my father had not left me alone for, I do always those things that please him. Amen? Uh, verse 29, I read it again. And he that sent me is with me. The father had not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. As he spake these words, my many believed on him. As he spake this word, many believed on him. Amen. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, we, we be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage of any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abided not in the house forever, but the son abided ever. If the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Because I and my father, we are one. That's what he's emphasizing. I know that ye are Abraham's seed. Pay attention now. I know that ye are Abraham's seed, but ye seek to kill me. Because my word hath no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father. And ye do that which ye have seen with your father. The answer and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Okay? Jesus said unto them, pay attention to this and underline it. If ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. I and my father are one. If ye are Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. But now ye seek to kill me. Abraham was never a killer. There is no way you can come from Abraham. That's what he's saying. Why? Like father, like son. If you are Abraham's seed, why will you be seeking to kill me? Abraham is not a killer. He never killed. You have done the work of Abraham if you are Abraham's seed. So, if you are Abraham's children, you will do the works of Abraham. Verse 40. But now ye seek to kill me, a man that had told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. Abraham was not a killer. So if you have the, um, if you have the desire to kill, there's no way you can be Abraham's children. And I'll come back to that quickly. Jesus said unto them, if God were your father, okay, sorry, ye do, in verse 41, ye do the deeds of your father. Then said they to him, we be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. They argued, Abraham being their father, they realized that is not working. Because now you are trying to kill me, Abraham is not a killer. Like father, like son. If you were Abraham's children, then you will not have the anticipation or the anxiety or the desire to kill. It cannot be in your DNA. Killing was not in Abraham's DNA. So how could you say you are Abraham's seed? They jumped that and said, well, we are God's, God is our father. At first it was Abraham is our father. Now I said, well, God is our father. Okay, all right. 
And here is Jesus' response to that in verse 42. Jesus said unto them, if God were your father, see the emphasis, if Abraham, if ye were Abraham's children, if God were your father, okay? So, ye would do what? Ye would do what? If God were your father, ye would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because ye cannot hear my word. Ye are of your father, the devil. And the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. For he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Which of you convince me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do ye not believe me? He that is of God heareth God's word. Ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, Say we not well that ye, thou art a Samaritan and has a devil? Jesus answered, I have no devil. I have not a devil, but I honor my father, and ye dishonor me. And I seek not my own glory. There is one that seeketh and judgeth. Verily, verily, I say unto you, if a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. Hmm. Then said the Jews unto him, Now we know that thou hast a devil. Abraham is dead, and the prophet, and thou said, If a man keep my saying, he shall never taste of death. Art thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead, and the prophets are dead? Whom makest thou thyself? Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father that honoreth me, of whom ye say that is your God. Yet ye have not known him, but I know him. And I should say, if I, say, if I should say I, I know him not, I shall be a lawyer like unto you. But I know him and keep his saying. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Wait for this. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old. Hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Then took, up this, <laughs> then took they up stones to cast at him. He said it. You are a killer. You cannot be Abraham's seed. See, it took just few words for Jesus to prove it. The moment he said, before Abraham was, I am. What did they do? Whatever they have, whoever they have manifested. They took up stone. They were about to kill. That's why he said, ye cannot be Abraham's children. What is the point of all of this? Jesus is trying to paint an epiphany to us. The beginning of creation, God created man in his own image. He wanted man to be like him. And he was trying to prove that here. He's trying to show these people, if you say Abraham was your father, then you will do what Abraham did. There should be that DNA in you. When someone sees you, they should see Abraham. Now, they say, well, we are God's children too. Well, if you say you are God's children, there is one thing that will mark every God's child. It is called L-O-V-E. You will have love. You will have no intention to kill. 
If you are a God child, if you are God's children, there will be something in you. It is called love. You do not love me, so you cannot be God's son or God's daughters. Amen? What is the point of all of this? When you, when you have time, just read some of the other scriptures, right? God, through Jesus, was again trying to restore the intention, the desire from the beginning. So Jesus came to manifest himself, and he said, I and my father, we are one. And he said in his word that when you are in me, then I will be in you, and God will be in you. The interpretation of that is the intention of God for every believer in Christ Jesus is that wherever we go, nobody should be looking for God. I and my Father, we are one. You and I are the only God this world is going to see. So every time you show up at church, every time you show up in your household, every time you show up at your workplace, God just showed up. The implication of that is whatever you display is what the word interprets as who God is. Jesus said to Thomas, he said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Philip said, well, that doesn't work well. Just show us the Father. And he said, have I been with you so long and yet you don't know me? If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. For every Christian, the desire of God is that we should be like Father, like Son. Everywhere I show up, there should be that aura that displays or displaces God. If I said, I am God's son, God is my father, I should be able to say, I am my father, we are one. See, the reason why sometimes we think that this is impossible is because we begin to think about the majestic power of God. We begin to think about, what are you talking about? So in John chapter 10, in verse number 30, when God, and when Jesus said this, they, they, I mean, we just read it in, in chapter 8 as well. They pick up stone. They wanted to stone him because they thought you are making yourself equal to God. How could you say that? And he said to them, it, was it not written in your own law that ye are God's? Did God not say it? So the intention of God for us when Jesus showed up was for Jesus to be manifested in us as he dwells in us, just like the way God dwelt in him. And he was saying, when you look at me, you're looking at God. You're seeing God because I and my father, we one. There's nothing I say. There's nothing I do that is not what I have seen my father do or what I've seen my father saying. I'm not saying anything, making up anything. And so God's intention for every believer is that wherever, whenever we show up, 
God should be seen. Everyone should see God. Amen? And I don't want you to be, begin to think that, well, that's, that's good, that sounds good, but how? And that's what Jesus said. If you read the book of John chapter, John chapter 14, I believe there, he said, all you need to do is to believe in me. Okay? If you can believe in me, that's how it's going to happen. It starts by believing, okay? It starts by believing. If you think it is impossible, then you probably will not be able to attain it. And I think that's where Christian, all of us, we have been, all this why. God said it. I'm making man in my image, in my likeness from Genesis. Jesus showed up and said, I am my, my father, we are one. And he said, I am now in you. And you are in me, right? And so you and Jesus and God are now what? One. The beginning is to believe it. To believe it. Because if I cannot believe it, I cannot be it. My identity influences my ideology. And my ideologies will influence how I conduct the enterprise of my life. What I do, what I say, how I relate. When I understand the fact and I believe it, that I and my father are one. It's going to change my ideologies. It's going to change the way I see myself. It's going to change the way I conduct myself, the way I believe, behave, the way I talk. So the major hurdle here today that you want to try to talk to God or to pray to God, to plead with God, to help you overcome is to believe it. Because when we believe it, we can be it. We can be it. I'm going to close with this. Let me jump to John 14, I have um, John 14, if you read from verse 11 through 14, within the one minute that we have left, John 14, I'll read, uh, let me read this in message version. Believe me, I am in my Father, and my Father is in me. If you can't believe that, believe what you see. This works. The person who trusts me will not only do what I am doing, but even greater things. Because I, on my way, I am on my way to the Father. I'm giving you the same work to do that I've been doing. You can count on it. For now on, from now on, whatever you request along the lines, pay attention. Along the lines of who I am and what I am doing, I will do it. This, this, is, this is the key. Because every time we pray, we want God to answer. But he is saying that whatsoever you ask along the line of who I am and what I am doing, that I have now committed into your hands to be doing, I will do that. I will answer that. 
And I don't think there is anyone here that will say, well, I don't know what Jesus was doing when he was here. Because Jesus is simply saying, you can start by believing that he is the son of God. <coughs> Amen? And start by believing that you are now in him and he is now in you. Just believe it. There is no rocket science there. Just believe it. And begin to do the work that I am doing, that I am now committing into your hand. The summary of the work of Jesus on earth. If you don't know how to start, is everything you do is motivated by the love of God. And the result you are targeting is life. To produce life. It doesn't matter how you do it. It doesn't matter whether you are a carpenter, whether you are a nurse, whether you are an engineer, whatever you are, whatever you do today is God's work. If you are motivated by love, and your product is life. If I am greeting at Walmart, I'm a greeter at Walmart. My motivation every day to greet is the love of Jesus. Every time I greet, the power of God is there to manifest life, to produce life. Why? It is an automation. I, that's not what I have to do. What I have to do is to believe that I and my Father, we are one. When I believe that, and everything I do as a greeter, I am motivated as I wake up in the morning and I'm going to Walmart, and all I'm going to do is to greet people. The power of God is upon my life to produce life. Now, every time I touch people and every time I greet people, life is going to come out of me. If I am an engineer or I am a doctor and I went into my workplace that day, motivated by the love of Jesus Christ, every patient that I touch, the life of God is going to come out of me to that patient. You say, how do I do it? It starts with wherever you are. Whatever you do today is God's work. It's God's work in this earth eternal, in this part of the planet. All you need to do is to drive into your consciousness that I and my father, we are one. I am not a legitimate born. God gave birth to me. Jesus paid the price for my sin. I no longer worry about sin. Sin is already paid for. Why should I be worrying about sin? Where sin abounds, the Bible says grace abounds much more. The church has tarried for so long about sin. Sin was crucified 2,000 years ago. And yet we see dwell about sin. We see talk about sin every day. Why? We need to preach a balanced message. Why not just preach about grace? Why not just talk about the fact that you are the son of God? How will sin be dwelling in you? If you understand that I and my father were one. God is living in me. God is dwelling in me. If that fills your spirit and that fills your heart every day, every now and then, that's what manifests. Let's rise on our feet.
Let's just talk to God. 